0: Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul. Sum 41, 30 seconds from Mars. Oh, and two-door cinema club.
1: If you're 21 years old and use nicotine or tobacco, I'm here to tell you about Black Buffalo and how it's redefining tradition for millions of adult consumers. So if you're over 21, consume nicotine or tobacco and want to join the Black Buffalo herd, head over to BlackBuffalo.com to learn more. Warning. This product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Black buffalo products are intended for adults aged 21 and older who are consumers of nicotine or tobacco. Hi, everyone. Welcome to another edition of Packers Unscripted from Packers.com. I am Mike Spofford, joined, as always, by my partner in crime, Wes Hodkowitz. We're coming to you here from our studios at Lambeau Field. And unfortunately, Wes, to talk about another loss, this one, 23-21 at Washington against the Commanders. And uh, this one started out in good shape for Green Bay, a touchdown, a pick six, a 14-3 lead, but then 20 straight points by the Commanders over a stretch of about two and a half quarters that uh, nothing really went right on either side of the ball for the Packers. And then a late comeback just came up short.
2: Yeah, I mean, if they want to start playing these games for 30 minutes, <laughs> it'd be cool. That's
1: what everybody was asking after London. And yeah. Uh, yeah, that's not how it's played, however. No,
2: it isn't. And it's the stretches of like scoring that are, have that are been the most concerning, I think, when you look at what the Giants did to rally back from 10-point deficit at halftime. This game, the Packers were up to 14-3 again. And by and large, Mike, the the main things that you and I hit on last week were kind of ringing true. I mean, the Packers were controlling the line of scrimmage defensively. Uh, Taylor Heineke started off with more passes batted down than he had actual completions. And it just seemed like from the moment that he started to be able to scramble a little bit, and start making some plays with his feet and moving the chains. I mean, that's been the biggest um, common thread through all this is Green Bay starts off really strong with their third down defense, 0 for 3, 0 for 4, did it against the Giants too, and then they struggle whether it's third and short or third and long to find an answer, and it just seemed like once Heineke started being able to extend plays a little bit, Terry McLaurin made some adjustments to be able to free himself up from Jerry Alexander's coverage and the attention the Packers were giving him, it all kind of started to boil down from there.
1: Yeah, it was one of those things, the way I looked at it, I didn't necessarily realize it as much watching the game, but then going back and re-watching the film on Monday, Heineke making his first start of the year, and quite frankly, he wasn't very good in the first half, but the Packers simply didn't take advantage of the plays that were there. Campbell did have the pick six. Unfortunately, the Packers had... The fumble return for a touchdown called back on a penalty, which was a Heineke fumble when he got hit on a scramble by Rashawn Gary. But aside from those two plays, the Packers had, you could argue, four other pretty legitimate chances for interceptions in that first half um, when Heineke was simply not really throwing the ball all that well. But the Packers didn't make those grabs. In the second half, Washington, in particular Terry McLaurin, did. And then when you look at the way the comeback unfolded, the Packers get, are down 23-14. You get a touchdown. It's 23-21. You need to get a stop. Washington is still in its own territory, third and nine. There's plenty of time on the clock. And Heineke, under pressure, kind of throws up a prayer, quite frankly, toward the sideline, but throwing it towards his best receiver and Terry McLaren. And, you know, you talked about the third down conversions. This was probably the biggest one of the game. Third and nine, McLaurin happened to see the ball before Alexander did, was able to go and attack it by the sideline and got it um, and converted the third and nine with a 12-yard pickup, and uh, and that was essentially the ball game. Packers' defense couldn't get off the field on third down in the second half, and a lot of that, as we'll talk about here in a minute also, had to do with the fact that they were just on the field too much throughout the game, even in the first half when the Packers were winning.
2: Yeah, and I thought that third and nine play was actually a really good embodiment of really that entire game for Green Bay's defense because I saw that stat about how Green Bay had like 29 pressures uh, from Pro Football Focus, yeah, but only one sack. And you know, short of being actually physically shot out of a cannon, I don't know what Kenny Clark could have done. Yeah. To get to the quarterback any faster than he did.
1: Yeah, Clark was all over Heineke on that on that third and nine, but you know, Heineke got rid of the ball. Give him credit.
2: And nine times out of ten, those are the type of plays, I'm not saying this would have turned into a pick six or anything, but when a quarterback is under that much duress and a defender of Clark's caliber is in his face like that, those are typically the plays that you end up seeing the guy throw a terrible ball that ends up being an interception and McLaurin just made the plays that needed to be made in this game. I just felt like, you know, for the Packers, it goes back to that first half defensively. We'll talk about the offense here in a second, but when you get your hands on passes, yeah, my headline for Saturday's inbox is they just have to capitalize. Yep. And I get it. It's easier said than done, but, you know, Rasul Douglas has three passes defensed in this game. Jair Alexander came Incredibly close to a pick on the first target that McLaurin got.
1: Right. um Yeah, that was a, that was flat out a bad throw over the middle behind his receiver. Wasn't even catchable and for yeah. McLaurin. wasn't wasn't catchable for McLaurin was very catchable for Alexander and he just uh, couldn't quite come up with it.
2: Have to make those plays and then I mean, if I want to not get too much in the officiating because it can be a slippery slope there for everybody yeah. involved and there's really nothing you can gain out of getting upset about anything, but you know they do finally force the turnover. Rasul Douglas picks up the ball, appears to run it back for the touchdown, and then there's the illegal contact penalty over on Washington's sideline. It is what it is. The Packers have to play above those things. You can't have 38 rushing yards to 166 rushing yards. You can't be 0 for 6 on third downs when the opposition has converted more third downs than you've even attempted. And this is the end result.
1: Yeah and we've we've talked about how in the it, during this three-game losing streak now that's dropped the Packers to 3 and 4 how the defense has started out pretty well in all the games but then has faded as the game has gone on. This one in particular when you look when you look back at it the Packers defense was just on the field too much in the first half and I think that's what contributed to wearing down in the second half. Now there was a back-to-back possessions, obviously, because of the pick six by Devondre Campbell. So you take that, right? That's a yep. touchdown. Your defense puts seven points on the board, but they have to be out there for back-to-back possessions. But before that, there's another back-to-back possessions because Amari Rodgers muffed a punt. The defense gets a stop, but then the punt gets muffed. So Washington's offense is right back on the field, and the defense gets the stop, in the red zone forces the field goal, which is a big win after a turnover like that. But yet again, those are the those are the snaps, the plays that that add up to a defense not being necessarily at full strength or having enough in the tank down the stretch to stop a third and nine when if you get that stop and get the ball back to Aaron Rodgers, maybe you escape Washington with a, a winning field goal in 24-23. But my point is that it, everything from the early stages of the game, even when the Packers are winning, it's adding up to the problems that they're seeing later on when they can't figure out how to come away with a victory.
2: 100%. And, you know, you lose Rashawn Gary at the end of that game to the concussion, and, you know, Gary and Preston Smith, I make, I think make up such a good combination because Gary is more the hair on fire, get after the quarterback guy where Preston is the traditional out three four outside linebacker in this defense, where he's going to give you some push, he's going to give you some pressure, but he's also incredibly assignment sure against the run. Right. And when you lose Gary like that in a situation in those two minute situations where you have a, you want to have a guy that is going to be able to get after the quarterback when you know Washington, you know especially if they get shut down on first down, isn't necessarily going to be looking to run the ball a lot, um, and you don't have him available and. and I mean, you give Taylor Heineke a lot of a lot of credit, Mike. Last week, you and I said it over and over and over again. I mean, this young man may not end up being a starting quarterback for a team that you know week one that's going to yeah. be our guy. But this is what you do to be a, a productive backup in this league: is that when Carson Wentz breaks his finger and is going to be out for a month, you get called upon, and he won his eighth game for Ron Rivera in Washington, and. For Green Bay, I think it goes back to the takeaways. It goes back to too many turnovers and not enough takeaways. And in this game in particular, not to lay it all at Mari's feet, but when they had that fumble, and give credit to the defense, Dom Capers, the old adversity defense phrase, it stepped up. They held him to a field goal there. Right. But realistically, that was the only real charge that Washington mounted in the first half, and it came off a turnover. And when you have turnovers and you don't get enough takeaways – the, the hill gets taller and taller in terms of what you're trying to climb.
1: Yeah, the Packers just they, they weren't able to take advantage of Heineke's poor throws in the first half, and then Heineke kind of settled in and started to make the throws he needed to make in the second half, which is why Washington converted so many and- third downs in, in, in the second half. He got going when the Packers could have made his life absolutely miserable by being able to snag uh, some of those really poor throws early on. Yeah,
2: absolutely. And you saw why Curtis Samuel, too, is going to end up having a 10-year career in this league. I mean, I don't know how many 1,000-yard seasons he's going to have, but those gadget-type players, it almost kind of reminds me in a way of what Ted Ginn became later in his career in terms of he's a guy that is going to be accountable, they're going to use him in different ways, and he's going to be able to help them move the chains and stay in third and favorables. Washington had an excellent game plan for how they attacked Green Bay. It took a while to get into it, but once they did get into their rhythm in the second half, it was a winnable formula for them to not only be able to extend the lead, get the 20 unanswered, but then also four-minute defense-wise being able to really step up. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Visit LiveNation.com slash concert week to learn more. And plan your summer with Sean Paul, some 30 seconds from Mars. Oh, and two door cinema club. The
1: other the other thing too that I wanted to say with regard to, and this just speaks to this speaks to the offensive struggles, um, with regard to with regard to the Packers defense being on the field so much in the first half. After after the back to back where um, Campbell gets the pick six. The defense has to go right back out there. Washington does march down and get a touchdown. A couple of missed interception opportunities on that drive, but Washington gets the touchdown. So the defense has been on the field a heck of a lot over over that stretch of the game. But then the Packers get the ball back on offense. They lose six yards on a first down running play. They get called for holding on a second down running play when they're just trying to get back on track and give themselves a chance on third down so then you're in third and forever and it ends up being ends up being a 3 and out and the defense has to go right back out there again i mean it was it was practically a, a back to back to back in the sense of in the sense of how much the defense had to had to play and the packers are just the packers are in a rut offensively um there were once again much like the jets game there were penalties that put them in Long yardage situations. There were negative negative yardage plays. Not the sacks this time because the game plan was get the ball out of Aaron Rodgers' hands quickly, which for the most part was accomplished. But too many dropped passes. Some passes that were off target, um, and uh, and just breakdowns fundamentally on offense. Illegal formations. Guys not lining up properly. You know, breakdowns in the in the fundamental aspect that just that just made it impossible. To get any kind of a flow or rhythm going on offense at all and it wasn't until you know rogers makes the great really the great off schedule play the late touchdown to aaron jones on on an extended play kind of a scramble drill that uh, that the offense showed any kinds of life from the second quarter on
2: yeah and, and rogers making just an incredible throw on that play with aaron jones being able to take his route from the flat up the sideline on a wheel option they've done that time and time again it's becoming one of the the real go tos and must have situations for Green Bay, but to get to that point, again, it goes back to the consistency piece. And um, you go over six. I think that was the first time they did not convert a third down since '99, if I remember that right.
1: Yeah, the only third down conversions for the Packers were due to some penalties, penalties. by Washington.
2: And. Getting behind the sticks early, I think, was the main culprit for that. Certainly, there were some third and mandibles that Green Bay didn't convert on, but there were too many times where it was third and nine-plus that they're trying to convert, and it's just not a winnable formula, especially when you're playing two high safeties, especially when you're rushing four. Washington wasn't taking a lot of chances. They were going to keep the ball in front of them and trust their defensive backs and their guys at the second level to tackle. For Green Bay... It's such a difficult thing because I know so many people, especially from a national level, were trying to dog on the fact the Packers I think only had what was it, 12 carries.
1: Yeah, that was that that was kind of a statistical thing based yeah. on the way the you know we can kind of. Just so fans understand, where we're sitting in the press box at FedEx Field, we're actually sort of near where the official statisticians are. Yeah. And so as every play is happening, we're sort of hearing them kind of talking and barking to each other as they're punching things into their computers. And, and you know these sideways pitches to Aaron Jones, which, which are running plays in every sense of the word, the way the Packers are blocking the flow of the play and everything – and they were saying that those pitches were forward, so they were calling those forward passes. There were at least three or four of yeah. those. So the run pass ratio, if you just look at the final statistics, it was it was out of whack, and I think quite frankly inaccurate. Um, but that's just the way that particular statistical crew and, decided to chart the game. And we're going to see- Sorry for the side.
2: No, but on Wednesday, uh, depending on when you read, the, we're going to get the NFL's updated statistics too. So the NFL will take a look at it and see if there's any modifications there. Be that as it may, as Matt Lafleur said at his podium and his press conference on Monday, it wasn't necessarily a problem if they didn't run the ball enough or they didn't get the ball to Aaron Jones enough. It was just they didn't run enough plays. Yeah. there wasn't enough synergy. I think there wasn't it was enough seven, efficiency.
1: Seventy-two to forty-seven was yeah, the and was I mean, the final what was the f- of, of offensive? Play. I mean, that's a that's a discrepancy that's really really hard to overcome.
2: Thirty-seven oh seven to twenty-two fifty-three. If you talked about those time of possessions for the last three years you are and you have to bet your savings on it you're taking the Packers as being the ones with 37 that's just the way they've offensively played under Matt LaFleur this was not Matt LaFleur football and for the Packers it's a difficult position they're in because Aon Lazard now has a shoulder injury we saw him in the locker room with the with the sling on his arm we're gonna see exactly what this week holds for him um he is the guy in this offense and you hate to see that happen with him i give him a lot of credit he came out of the game he tried to go back in the game had to come out again yeah they don't have randall cobb right now christian watson you know you would hope it is going to be back here he was never placed on injured reserve so he makes that makes you think they felt he was on the early side of the four week um you know limit it would have been if he would have win on the injured list Green Bay needs playmakers to step up. It's not just about getting the ball to Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon, although that is two of their big primary playmakers. It's about guys taking care of their opportunities on the perimeter. Once again, too many drop passes. Aaron Jones even put that on himself. There was a screen pass that he had that he wasn't able to bring in. It was a third and long, but still, it's those plays where guys know they can catch the ball. It it's it isn't like they're trying to catch a 150-mile-an-hour fastball from Aaron Rodgers. Right. It's being out in the space and trying to look upfield and not securing that ball. It comes back to fundamentals. People don't want to hear about it. It gets tiring, I know, but as you wrote in inbox on Monday and then I reiterated on Tuesday, it's a game of basic execution. The Packers are not getting enough of that right now.
1: Yeah, you mentioned the injuries the Packers are dealing with at wide receiver. Lazard, Lazard goes out. His status right now certainly very much in doubt. Randall Cobb is currently on injury reserve. The Packers got Sammy Watkins back, but Christian Watson is not back yet from Uh, from his hamstring injury, so a lot of things in flux with regard to what exactly the wide receiver core will be for this week's upcoming road trip to Buffalo. And then the Packers are also trying to figure some things out on the offensive line. They spent the week with with a reconfigured line that had Yash Nyman taking over at right tackle. Elton Jenkins was moved from right tackle to his more traditional position of left guard where he was a pro bowler a couple years ago. John Runyon was flipped from left guard over to right guard. Josh Myers obviously stayed at center. But then at the 11th hour, David Bakhtiari's knee was not feeling up to par. And a pregame workout um, at the stadium a couple hours before the game, wasn't good enough for Bakhtiari to be able to go. So rookie fourth-round pick from Wake Forest, Zach Tom, ended up starting at left tackle, getting his, his first NFL start on the road. Difficult situation, obviously. And the Packers went with it that way because rather than, you know, flip Yash Nyman back to left tackle and and adjust because that was the way they had practiced all week as far as those first three guys that I had mentioned – so they plugged in Zach Tom at left tackle. Now, certainly the, the performance of the offensive line was better than it was against the Jets. The game plan in terms of a lot of quick throws, three-step drop, get rid of the ball, not a lot of uh, not a lot of uh, um, you know seven-step drop and, and extended route concepts and all of that, not a whole lot of that in the game plan. So that helped from a pass protection standpoint, and there certainly was some some production in the ground game, but yet they're you know there's still this is this is a group and whether or not Bakhtiari is going to be back next week or if they're if they're going to have to ride with Tom for a while, this is the group that the Packers are going to go with here this this alignment health permitting and uh, and try to make it work. It wasn't uh, it wasn't at its best I don't think in the first outing. But there were some encouraging signs, and we'll see if this group can sort of come together and develop the cohesion that you hope for. Yeah,
2: and, and that was the big idea with all this, is that you're getting, you know, John Runyon, who's worked for the basically the bulk of the past year with Yash Nyman, You move both of them over to the right side. You allow Elton to go back to the position he was a pro bowler at. Josh Myers in the middle is your stationary. And then Bakhtiari's at left tackle. The one interesting thing about all this is Bakhtiari. Even before there was the, he was added with the game designation on Saturday. He was always on the injury report with the knee, but the re, he got added with the game designation as questionable. He was still limited during practice, so Zach Tom was the one spelling him. So the idea being is that not only is it about letting El- or I should say Yash get comfortable at the right tackle spot, it's the fact that if you did push Yash over to left tackle. Well, now you don't have anyone that's really taking reps at right tackle this yeah. week, so that's the right. perplexion that they were kind of presented with. Yeah. That being said, uh, I, I like the adjustments they made. They they used a little bit more. You know, they shaded you know Mercedes Lewis over to that side with Tom, which he appreciated being able to work with Jenkins. He felt comfortable in that role. And Mike, I've said it time and time again. I mean, everybody. The more recent media, which is cool. Everyone has their own proclivities, but they talked a lot about him and Elton, you know, all the Tom moves around like Elton. My big thing for the bulk of the last few months has been, he reminds me a lot more of JC Treder in that he's a guy that was, you know, a left tackle at in college, you know, maybe not the biggest guy at that spot. Maybe you project him to be inside, whether it be a center spot or a guard spot, but he can hold his own out there. And yeah. I thought, you know, Tom showed incredible footwork during training camp. I think he's a really smart kid. And, and he survived just fine. The big question for the Packers is, as Matt LaFleur reiterated on Monday, this line is better when David Bakhtiari is better. The run offense is better when David Bakhtiari is out there. Yep. That's where we have to monitor this thing, because it isn't just about David Bakhtiari being on the field. It's about David Bakhtiari, the five-time All-Pro, the guy we were talking about being a potential Pro Football Hall of Famer. That's the guy you need back. And whether it's they're going to have to do some adjustments with his practice schedule, he practiced all last week, whatever it is. Um, if the Packers are going to get this thing turned around offensively, 69 is a big part of that. So they're going to allow the rest of that line to settle in. If Dave isn't able to go, I would imagine you're going to see more Zach Tom at left tackle. They yep. want to give Yash that opportunity at right tackle now.
1: That's how, that's how I see it unfolding. And
2: yep. now if you, now the real question becomes if Bakhtiari's back, but you got to do the rotation, then what do you do? They'll figure that out on a different day, but ultimately th- this was the path forward for Green Bay and as first impressions go considering all of the adjustments they made without the benefit of a bye week or any huge you know time off and then a major change at the 11th hour I, I felt well. like it went pretty well for them in yeah that it,
1: it went it it uh it certainly was uh um it it certainly was an improvement over where the offensive line was against the Jets and I think I think there's at least some comfort level with the changes that have been made, but as you said, they would love to get David Bakhtiari back at left tackle as uh, as that anchor because uh, because the offense just you know it, it functions better with a player like that on the field. A little bit of sponsor business here, Wes. Serious XM NFL Radio delivers hard-hitting analysis and up-to-the-minute NFL news that true football fanatics need 24-7, 365. And at Cousin Subs, we have something for everyone, like our Wisconsin cheese curds, mac and cheese, golden fries, and creamy shakes, all paired with your favorite sub or sub in a bowl. Cousin Subs, 50 years of better. All right, want to throw out A a whole bunch of stuff at you with regard to what happened in Week Seven in the NFL, and I'll let you comment on what you what you think is worth. Give me the buffet,
2: and I get to bring my plate and see what I take
1: here. The New York Giants are six and one after yet another fourth quarter comeback. The Dallas Cowboys are five and two, and that defense looks every bit as real as uh, it was potentially as it was projected to be in the AFC. Um Joe Burrow and the Bengals might have found something and hit their stride. Meanwhile, there's a quarterback change going on in Indianapolis um, and then back in the NFC, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, San francisco 49ers and now Chicago Bears are all three and four just like the Packers are. That's sort of my laundry list of week seven in the NFL so Go ahead.
2: I think it's another reminder, again, that you can't just take a look at what the schedule is. You can't look at, oh, well, how's the strength of schedule going to line up? You know, because so much changes. And you look at a team like Carolina that – they start a fire sale. They're on what? Their third string quarterback. I doubt anybody gave them a chance. And in a lot of ways, I think people viewed that game for the Buccaneers a lot like they viewed this game for the Packers against the Commanders. It's, a, it's an a interim right interim head coach in
1: Carolina. Interim well. head coach. Yep.
2: Um, and they handed it to him. Uh, you know. It's this is going to be one of those years, Mike, and, and I think we're learning something about Daniel Jones and the Giants. Um, I think we've learned something about that defense too with New York. I mean,
1: when you when you are the when you are the best team, when you are the best team in the fourth quarter every single week, you're gonna win a lot of games. What the Giants are doing, quite frankly, and this, is, this kind of just occurred to me. What the Giants are doing, quite frankly, reminds me a lot of the Packers under Matt LaFleur in 2019, his first year as head coach. They were not a dominant team. They had a lot of attractive pieces, a lot of things that looked really interesting. They were in every game, just about every game. There were a couple of hiccups. But they were in just about every game, and every game they were in, they were more likely than not the better team in the fourth quarter making the plays late in the game yeah. and that's how that's how a not impressive statistically you know team like the packers in 2019 ended up with 13 victories the new york giants are looking very much in my opinion like that kind of team very different personnel very different yeah. style of play but in terms of those parameters, that's what it feels like
2: to well, me. And there's so much good coaching going on, not just in New York, but throughout the league. I mean, you look at what Brian Dabble has, has put together for Daniel Jones. I mean, there's a reason why the Giants have been so devoted to him the last three years is because they felt like the talent was there. He maybe is going to have to do it in kind of a gamer, you know, kind of man's mindset, but whether it's the the ability to scramble, just making plays and clutch moments. I mean, he's proven to have the mental toughness for it. I mean, Geno Smith is doing very similar stuff in Seattle right now. Yeah. But yeah. The, the
1: Seattle Seahawks are four and three. Yeah. Like, who, who would have Who would have thought that Nobody. with the supposed rebuild that uh, Pete Carroll and that crew was uh, was going through?
2: Everybody was signing them up for you know one a one b with the Texans as far as the first pick for next year, and yeah. and it just shows you all these different directions things can go. For Green Bay, I think it's another reminder. You look at Chicago um, and what teams in the National Football League was saying about the Bears after those first few weeks. And you know, I, I commend Luke Getze and the offensive coaching staff and with the Bears to be able to. It seemed like develop a little bit more friendly game plan for their young quarterback in that game and allowed him to do, use his feet a little bit more. It can all turn around in one week is the the moral of the story here, I feel like. You kind of create your own narrative in these moments, and that's why this week for the Packers, you and I are going to talk about it on Thursday. It's going to be a challenging week. Uh, we already know what the point spread looks like. It's going to be uh, an underdog-type mentality. Yep. But if you're going to drop one to the commanders, I mean, you could say what you want about the Giants at 6-1. and one. You can say what you want about the Jets, although they lose Brees Hall now.
1: Yeah, Jets are Jets are five and two, but yeah, they lost. Uh, they both, lost their biggest playmaker on offense.
2: Both of those teams, I think, are a lot better than everybody, myself included, gave them yep. credit for.
1: I, me too.
2: Washington was a little bit more that one where it, you, you get that feeling that it's like you lose two close games, you lose a game at Lambeau, you do not expect to lose to the Jets, you kind of have that quote unquote letdown, and everybody was guarding against that going in last week, but it happened. Well, if you want to be able to get yourself back in this thing, if you want to put yourself back in that "quote-unquote" playoff hunt, when people start talking about that stuff, it has to start against a New York. Or excuse me, a Buffalo Bills team that not a lot of people are giving you a chance against.
1: Yeah, and a Buffalo Bills team that'll be coming off a bye. They have just one loss on the season. A team that uh, that uh, has been thinking nothing but Super Bowl since uh, since uh, you know really. Um, disappointing playoff yeah. endings for them the last couple of years especially last year the way they let the game at uh, the at Arrowhead against the Chiefs get away so um, as Aaron Rodgers said after the game you know <laughs> maybe this is the best thing for the Packers because all they're going to hear whether they want to listen to it or not all they're going to hear is how they have no chance going into Buffalo in primetime on Sunday night football everybody that has watched the success of this team over the last however many years you want to say the organization has been successful. People people want to put a nail in the coffin on the 2022 season for the Green Bay Packers if uh if they get their fifth loss in uh in Buffalo on Sunday night and uh and it's up to the it's up to the Packers to see how they respond to this situation.
2: You know the crazy thing about this. We'll preview the game on Thursday. We'll get to it then, but what an incredibly lazy narrative that's going to be. We haven't even heard it yet, but you can see it coming down the. Oh tracks. yeah, that's I mean, that's
1: that's why I said it. You but, know, you know that that's with this game being in prime time. You know, Sunday night football. All the all the talk all week is going to be is 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 going to be that uh, that this is you know th- is going to be some sort of this is the end of you know this Packers era and the passing of the torch and all this kind of stuff and you know it's like it's like hey you know regardless of what happens in Buffalo on Sunday night. There are still going to be nine more games left in the yeah, regular and, season.
2: And the other thing that's kind of weird about this is, if okay, if the Packers were 5-2 and two right now, Green Bay matches up really well with Buffalo. Like, if you think about it, like, yes, the Bills are incredibly explosive. They have an incredible quarterback. They have weapons on the perimeter. They don't run the ball. And that's been one of the things that have hurt the Packers to this point. Now, maybe they'll switch their colors, and Devin Singletary will get a bunch of carries. But yeah. – they don't this this Bills team is a lot like the Packers in 2011 and how they operate offensively so yep, I agree it's funny that people aren't giving them a chance because Green Bay despite their record their past defense and in some of the options they they actually do match up with them all right but you know because of where they are and losing three straight that's the reason everybody's going to be doubting them
1: yeah there's the three straight there's the injuries there's there's just and and it's not just losing three straight but it's it's playing a level of football that's just that the Packers are not accustomed to. Yeah. And, uh, and and they've got, they've got to get things straightened out and, and turned around, and, and we'll see if they can do it. But we will talk more about the Buffalo Bills on our next show. For now, we'll call it a wrap on this edition of Packers Unscripted. Be sure to follow all of our coverage of the team. Wes and I have all kinds of content for you on Packers.com. For Wes, I'm Mike. Thank you for tuning in, everybody. See you next time.